Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Six eight seven zero seven zero zero. On this episode, in a couple of days from when this is recorded, it will be one year since Judge Brett Kavanaugh became Justice Brett Kavanaugh, and I know it was in you know a year ago now, and it tends to fade into everyone's memories. Even though you know liberals and Democrats are constantly talking about they still haven't let that go just as much as they haven't let go of 2016. So they're even talking about impeaching Kavanaugh as opposed as well as, you know, president Trump. And we'll talk about that as well, but we're going to talk with Molly Hemingway and Carrie Cianvino about their book, justice on trial. And, and, um, I guess, um, some other things as well. All this on this episode of Trend Chat. From the highways of America, here's the podcast where we talk politics, a little entertainment, some culture, and this and that, from the road to your ears. This is Trend Chat with your host, Brian Bledsoe. And welcome. Welcome to another episode of Trend Chat. I am your host, Brian Bledsoe. And if you want to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat, or TikTok, it's all the same name at Trench at 24-7. Man, that was a rough end to that to the intro. Okay. But um yeah, I appreciate everyone listening. Just want to say off the top, we're here on trendchat247.com and also available on all well most popular podcast outlets. And you know, like, share, and subscribe. Actually, I wasn't gonna actually talk about this because it's I don't know. I, so as I mentioned about social media, Facebook, Instagram, and, and, and all of those, um, as of right now, as of this recording. So, um, if you've been on, if, if you noticed on the Facebook page, I haven't posted since September 27th, I think that's not because I haven't been trying. <laughs> um, so as of right now, like I said, as, as of this recording, I am, um, blocked from posting on my Facebook page. So I can post everywhere else. Uh Facebook, 
has chosen to restrict my publishing abilities, <laughs> as they say, because um, mainly because I share too much content, basically. That's that's what I got from it. And I've been trying to get a better answer and seeing what, you know, when I'm going to be able to post again. But I wasn't going to mention about this because, you know, it's I don't even know what's going to what's going to come of it. So. But, yeah. So if um if you see not a lot of activity, um, hopefully it would not last too much longer. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's a week. I don't know. They didn't even say how long it's going to be. They just said temporarily. They didn't say how long. It could be indefinite for all I know. I don't, so, but yeah, just letting you know for the people, I guess, who are on the, on the, uh, Trench Chat Facebook page about that. But I know it's been some time since we've been on, but, uh, before we get into all that, just want to mention this in particular. I know you heard about 1776, 1776 united.com. I mentioned them plenty of times you know with their shirts and mugs and all that uh, but i'm mentioning this because we have something new that i want to mention because yes 1776united.com you can go there and get you know all the mugs and the shirts and all the other accessories great patriotic gear but the code has changed so i'm not even going to mention the old code <laughs> just in case for the people maybe listening to this for the first time i'm not going to mention the old code anymore the code now is just, it's, guess what? It's Trend Chat. That's it. The name of the show. Just, that's the code. So if you go to 1776united.com, put in the code Trend Chat, you get 20% off on whatever you, you get there. And look, there's plenty to get. So check them out, 1776united.com. And so also, trumpmug.com. All the Trump centric gear you can find. I just mentioned this off the top of my head mainly because um, I just saw something else from um, on the website. But yeah, I'll probably mention that again. But yeah, like I said, it's been a while and I want to mention that. That's, that's something that happened in the past uh, week or so that changed with the promo codes, I guess. So, um, one thing that happened with last week that we. Um, that we didn't really talk about, which I'm not going to get too much into, but this whole, um, the little girl from Sweden, the Gre Greta Thunberg and, uh, and having her little, uh, climate speech and it, and she was hot as far as, you know, uh, as far as trending on social media, um, haven't heard much about her this week. I mean, it, it's, isn't it funny how fast, you know, stories just come and go, but, um, I know a lot, a lot of people were, you know, were pointing out the fact that she, well, basically is a like you know a pawn, a political pawn, for you know these environmentalists and and people who want to basically force um, their, I would say their, their climate restrictions on everyone, so they want to basically take control of everyone's lives through climate change in the in the name of quote unquote saving the earth and they'll use someone like Greta to get people to feel sympathetic because it's, you know she's a child and um it was funny seeing how people were so ready to to defend Greta against any sort of criticism not even it's not even where they were being um, derogatory towards her, just being critical about what she's talking about. And they wouldn't have that either. And it was just all it was just so funny because they they wanted to bring up the fact that, oh, she's a child. How dare you, um, you know, criticize a child? She's just saying what she believes and all that. And yet these are the same people who wouldn't lift a finger to what was going on with the, um, uh, what's the name? Ava Martinez, the one that was the mini AOC that was, she was doing a parody of uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She was just doing, yeah, just a parody of her. And she got just harassed and bullied all over 
um, Twitter in, in particular to the point to where she, you know, um, got rid of her account. And but, you know, they didn't those same people that are defending Greta didn't mention anything about about that back then. And. Now. One I know people have mentioned about when they talk about Greta and Greta and talking about that uh, people shouldn't use children for political speech. Now, you know, I'm not a fan of that in particular at all. So you could say something where so many AOC, I mean, she was doing a form of political speech, although it's parody, but it's still political speech. And I, you know, I, I wasn't, I'm not a fan of it in general, regardless of if I agree with it or not. So like, you know, like with uh, Ava, she was doing a parody of, of, um, of, you know, um, Ocasio-Cortez. So I thought it was, it was funny, but, um, at the, at the same time, I still had that same cringiness that I have just seeing a child, um, commentate on politics. Just, you know, it's a little uneasy. <laughs> and so I, I feel that way either way, regardless of if I, you know, agree or disagree with, um, with the, whoever the child is really and what they're talking about. So, but like I said, that story has really just kind of disappeared. So <laughs> let's get off of that <laughs> and get on to something more trend worthy. Actually it was on, I guess this was the same going on around the same time was um, everything with impeachment. But before we get into that, let's hear a word from our friends with the founding project. And we'll be back in a couple of seconds as I am sitting around trying to stall before I find the next spot to play. Yes. I'm just letting, letting you in just pulling the curtain back. So, so yeah. Commentary as subtle as a sledgehammer. This is Trend Chat. Hello, Trend Chat listeners. If you like the Founding Project's civics education video series, Civics for All Ages, and our educational meme series, we think you will love our new website. Join us at thefoundingproject.com and be a part of the civics movement. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today. This is Dana Lash, and you're listening to Trend Chat. It's one of my favorite beats. I don't know if I played that in a while, but um. So welcome back. That was what less than a minute, but <laughs> but uh, it's just funny because I'm just thinking about how, if I was timing this out for a radio, I don't know. Because that's one thing about doing podcasts, you don't really have to worry about time <laughs> as far as um having to you know go go in and out and um yeah. But but anyway, this I guess let's talk a little bit about impeachment. We're not going to go all into it because for one, last week this was, it was just an in, inquiry. That's all it was. Um, the way it was covered, they made it seem like it was going to be a vote right then and there, and by t- by this week he'll be out of office. That's that's how, that's how it was reported. But it that but it was nothing. Because, like I said, not, it's not even a vote or not even it was, I guess it was pointing toward a vote at some time, but no specified time. It was just an inquiry. That's it. So it, it was funny by seeing this because I'm thinking back to, OK, back when, you know, Bill Clinton was impeached by the House. And so. I, I mean, honestly, this is basically going to be just the Clinton impeachment in reverse. 
just switch sides. So you probably already seen the clips of Democrats who were in Congress, who are still in Congress now, which, you know, if if that's not a case for term limits, I don't know what. I mean, you were seeing clips of Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Jared Nadler, all of them when they were in uh, Congress back then. And what they were saying about when um, when everything was going on with President Clinton getting uh, impeached. And so, like I said, everything that you that you heard back then, you could just basically take that word for word and put an R behind it. And that's what Republicans are going to be saying about Trump. And then you can flip it around as far as what, what the Republicans were saying about Clinton and just take that word for word and put that to what the Democrats are going to say about Trump. Now that's a, it's probably, I'm well, I'm pretty sure it's an oversimplification of it, but I think it's, pretty accurate and I think and also I think the vote will go the same way as far as so you will have the house if they even put this to a vote I wouldn't be surprised if the house actually impeached President Trump because the house is in the Democrats hands so if all the Democrats vote then that would be it similar to back when um in Clinton impeachment, it was, you know, controlled by Republicans. It would be the same way this time, except like I said, it would be just, just in reverse. Cause, um, so yeah, it wouldn't shock me one bit if they put it to a vote and, um, and voted to him, you know, to impeach, even though again, it would just go the same way that it would be, he, uh, he would be found not guilty in the Senate. And so that will be it. And just as much as I know a, a lot of times we as conservatives, every time we bring up Bill Clinton, like we, we're quick to want to bring up. So, so I watched the, um, the, uh, there was a documentary called scandalous on Fox nation, just talking about the whole, um, everything for whitewater and the impeachment and all that about, you know, president Clinton at that time. And, um, there was a one line in there that I thought was kind of funny because it said, <laughs> um, I forgot who said it though, but saying that, um, his impeachment, uh, uh, you know, president Clinton being impeached would forever be in, in his obituary, you know, w- you know, whenever he um, passes away, which <laughs> I thought was kind of funny. I mean, eh, I mean, it, it depends on who's writing the obituary really, <laughs> And I'm pretty sure they put it this way. It, when that time happens, whenever, you know, who knows when, but when it happens, because I mean, no one living forever. Let's put it that way. So, so the media, I'm pretty sure will still be probably, you know, full of the same people, the, the over 90% of people who were most likely who were Clinton supporters, um, they're going to be the ones that are going to be writing the obituaries or at least the ones that are going to be reporting. And I'm pretty sure impeachment is not going to be that high on their, <laughs> on their list as far as, um, when they're talking about the life of Bill Clinton, um, <laughs> uh, as far as now, if, uh, you know, if a Republican's writing the obituary, then yeah, it's probably gonna be in the second line. <laughs> if not in the first line, in the first sentence somewhere, but that's most likely that's not going to be the case. It's going to be some, um, it's going to be the mainstream media and they're going to barely mention that. Um, so now flip that around. Let's say for instance, if, like I said, if, uh, Democrats actually hold a vote and they go out and, and, um, and they would impeach, uh, president Trump, those same people that will be reporting on president Clinton, that would be in the first line in the media, mainstream media. So the mainstream media would, would report it for president Trump. They'll mention that the first, that might be the first thing they'll mention, you know, the third president in American history who was impeached, you know, 
at the time, whenever President Trump passes away, that that they'll mention that if if that happens. But like I said, for President Clinton, they're not going to mention that. That's going to be so far down in the obituary. <laughs> I it was just, it was just funny when I heard that in that um um in the documentary. So, but yeah, that's not going to happen. But uh, and like I said, all this is basically going to be the same old same. Whatever you saw back then, again, just just watch what happened with the Clinton impeachment, and you'll probably be set. You probably won't have to watch none of this because it's it's going to go down the same way. The only difference is you're going to have 2020 coming up, and so depending on if they actually do the vote before 2020, before the election in you know 2020, okay, um, there could be something i mean it could be some difference there as far as maybe that hurts president trump's chances to get reelected because of this that being said just heard news about that as far as at least his support in the republican party because he had a record um of 125 million in fundraising in the third quarter so this, this all this impeachment talk has really fired up you know the base which makes sense i mean i know myself i got a whole bunch of text messages about fundraising <laughs> when it came um down to the last days for the you know for the quarter saying hey you know i think i got a text like every couple of every couple of hours <laughs> but um but i mean i understand what they're doing so i mean all of them do that all the candidates do that because they're all trying to raise money. So, but, um, so we're going to get to our interview with, um, with Molly, um, Molly Hemingway and Kara Cianvino, um, coming up next. So first going to hear a word from politics. And after that, we'll get to our interview. It's trend chat. Hello, this is Brian Bledsoe, host of trend chat. Also, contributor at politichicks.com. Here to tell you about the new book called Politichicks, A Clearing Call to Political Activism. With over 300 pages from contributors like myself, talking about topics such as education, social issues, healthcare, the Second Amendment, and of course, activism. I encourage you all to check it out at politichicks.com and is also available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Hey guys, this is John Miller with Blaze TV. You are listening to Trend Chat with Brian Bledsoe. Hello, this is Trent Chat, and we are very pleased to have Molly Hemingway with us and Kara Cianvino with us. Molly is the senior editor at The Federalist and a Fox News contributor, and Carrie is the chief counsel and policy director of Judicial Crisis Network. So, how are you both doing? We're doing great. Right, great to be here. So, uh, for people that don't know, I guess, uh, Molly, tell us about The Federalist. The Federalist is a web magazine that covers politics, policy, and culture. We publish daily at thefederalist.com. We have... Uh, We've been operating for about six years, and we are uh, pleased to have hundreds of writers who hit the issues of the day. And the Judicial Crisis Network. Yeah, we're an organization dedicated to ensuring that judges who are faithful to the law and the Constitution get confirmed to the federal courts and get on the state courts as well. Uh, And so we were playing a key role in the Kavanaugh confirmation, helping get Justice Kavanaugh confirmed. All right, so we have you on because mainly you have a new book out called Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh Confirmation, and the Future of the Supreme Court. So I guess uh, uh, either one of you, what would be like a quick summary of the book? The book really just tells the inside story of the Kavanaugh confirmation from the moment that Justice Kennedy retires from the Supreme Court uh, to that last moment where Justice Kavanaugh is confirmed and is placed on the Supreme Court. We interviewed more than 100 people, including the president, the vice president, Supreme Court justices, senators, and others who gave us just an unbelievable detail about what was happening behind the scenes during this contentious battle last year. Yeah, and we wanted, we wanted to make sure that while this crazy confirmation process is fresh in Americans' minds, that we got the real facts out there. I clerked for Justice uh, Clarence Thomas, and I, I remember from his confirmation process that it's not something that after he was confirmed, uh, the left just 
let it all go, they actually started go, going back and rewriting history effectively um, so that when people uh, nowadays think about the process, they don't realize that, in fact, there were no, there's no support for her allegations either. And we wanted to make sure that those facts were out there to try to stop the revisionist history from taking root after the Kavanaugh confirmation. Yeah, and um, I guess that timeline will be like from July to October around that time? The uh, Justice Kennedy Rees retired at the end of June, and Justice Kavanaugh, then Judge Kavanaugh, was nominated in July and finally confirmed in October. Yeah, it's funny. That, that's just a couple of months, but I'll tell you, back then, that felt like forever. <laughs> I mean, as doing a podcast, I think I maybe did maybe five episodes. I do a weekly podcast, so like five episodes talking about different little aspects of, of everything that was going on at confirmation. And um, one thing in particular that I was um, interested in hearing, so we're here at the Texas Sentinel Summit for Heritage Action, and I just finished hearing both of them speaking. And one thing I was that I heard is that uh, when you had groups come to to members of Congress or well, senators come to their um, offices, and you had tons of liberal groups out there definitely getting a lot of press time and getting shown. Then they seemed like they were the only ones there. And I, I noticed that y'all mentioned that you had plenty of conservative women there that were being ignored, like actively ignored by. The media. So I guess tell us a little bit about that. I mean, well, I guess that's covered in the book as well. Yeah, it's all, uh, it's one of the interesting stories we uncovered in the book. First of all, the aspect of how coordinated and and calculated the campaign left was. These protesters who were standing up and and, uh, getting arrested during the hearings, the first set of hearings even, uh, weren't just there spontaneously. They were being flown in from key states like Alaska. That's a a serious plane ticket. They were being given uh, coordinated uh, costumes, the, the handmaid's costumes in particular, uh, they were they were trained in legal training and how to get arrested and they were given bail money for when they were arrested. One of the uh, women who was helping coordinate it from these groups actually said, this isn't chaos, this is all scripted. And I thought that was very telling that she was willing to acknowledge that. And then and this, this is something that then the press covered in, you know, nonstop you know, wall-to-wall coverage of that as if it, it represented just a national movement. What a lot of people didn't see and sometimes was was actively ignored were the real Americans who many times were taking off work and coming. They weren't getting flown in. They weren't, you know, they weren't getting that kind of um, support uh, from certainly the, the liberal infrastructure was providing, but they also weren't being loud and screaming. There were many people who were going into offices just saying, we're praying for what you senators are doing and we and, and trying to make reasoned, calm arguments. And while that wasn't maybe getting as much press time, we learned from talking to senators that that was something that was very influential to many of those senators, that they saw the significance of those real voices. I know, for me personally, because um, I'm a truck driver, and I tried to <laughs> try to drive down there. I, I wasn't able to, to make it, because I know Heritage Action was um, doing some things as well. And um, But yeah, um, it, that was just really something that kind of was eye-opening, at least to hear, which, but, which is not surprising, but, you know, just unfortunate. But I do think it's important for people to remember how influential the American people were in having the Kavanaugh confirmation succeed. You had so many forces arrayed against him, but you also had people who just looked at it and said, this isn't fair. In this country, we believe in presumption of innocence, that people are innocent until proven guilty, that if you make an accusation, you need evidence in support of it before you convict someone. And even though many people in the media and politics weren't caring about it, I think average Americans very much cared about it, and they helped carry that that nomination battle through. Okay, and um, I know um, one thing I was thinking about when it came down to the, during this whole, uh, I guess, debacle in a way, is one, another thing that y'all mentioned in the, in the panel was about uh, Senator Feinstein as far as um, her uh, essentially not following protocol. And um, I guess give us a little, for the people who may not know what happened in that. Right. There's an established process in the Senate for how to handle it if someone makes an accusation against a nominee. This has been around for a very long time. Every senator knows it, particularly Senator Dianne Feinstein. When she got the letter, she should have put the letter through that, when she got the letter accusing Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault, she should have put that letter through the process. It protects the accuser, the accused. Instead, she put the accuser in contact with an attorney known for running high-profile PR campaigns against, against Uh, people. And she circumvented the process. And this 
this is something, if you put it through the proper process, you can have the FBI look into it. You can ask questions of the nominee in private. If you don't go through the process, pretty much the only way to get it out is through what we saw, which is this you know, horrible media circus and whatnot. A lot of people were very frustrated. A lot of Dianne Feinstein's colleagues were frustrated that she circumvented that proper process that the Senate has in place and instead chose to make a circus out of it. Uh, yeah, and I think it's it's also interesting that that's one of the processes that was initiated after Justice Thomas's own confirmation hearings, um, and, and that the fact that she ignored it um, was significant to some of those key votes in the Senate, like Susan Collins, that when she saw, oh my goodness, this this letter was in the possession of Senator Feinstein for over a month and she did nothing with it. That was an immediate red flag. She still wanted to look into the allegations and make sure um, that there wasn't anything to them, but they kind of started her out thinking, is this, is this really a something for real or is this a political hit now um, I was able to read uh, at least an excerpt because um, personally I just got the book today I tried my best to skim as fast as I could when I found out I was able to interview but um, but I came across an excerpt and I, that I've read before um, and I kind of wanted to bring up as far as because I think anyone that was following this uh, this story saw about uh, Senator Flake getting um, basically cornered by protesters that was that was what most people saw, but there was another cornering kind of that was going on. And um, hold on, let me look this up because I don't know how to say this. The atrium. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's how, that was my first time seeing anti room. So that's why I was like, so that was something that most people don't hear about, but it's in the book. So the ante room is the room outside of the Senate Judiciary Hearing Room. So everyone can see what's happening in the Judiciary Hearing Room, but nobody can see what's happening in the ante room. So in the hearing room, you saw people giving speeches and whatnot, and um, one Democratic senator was trying to persuade Senator Flake not to vote in favor of the Kavanaugh uh, confirmation. In the ante room, those two senators, Chris Coons and Jeff Flake, were inside of a very tiny phone booth where Chris Coons was trying to convince Flake to demand an additional week of an FBI investigation in exchange for his vote. He succeeded in doing that. We had all these other senators that were also trying to weigh in and keep Flake from making this agreement. You had other senators who were yelling at each other about some of the antics that we just discussed with Senator Dianne Feinstein having this letter and not sharing it with them. You had another senator, Senator Hatch, inside the bathroom trying to call the American Bar Association over a flap that had erupted there, and you had people so upset with each other that some senators actually almost came to physical blows, to actual fighting, people stepping on each other's feet and spit flying everywhere. And so we tell the story about what that was like. It's a really small area, and there were so many people crammed into this small area, and it was pretty funny. Yeah, that was it was, it was fun talking to the the staffers who were there because by the end of having heard how, how crazy this story was a few times, we just started by asking people, is this really as crazy as we have heard? And they would just say, no, it's, it's crazier. <laughs> no, so um, for, for Carrie, I, I wanted to ask because um, you clerked for Justice Clarence Thomas. And so I, I guess, what, what are the parallels between Justice Thomas and now with Justice Kavanaugh. Yeah, it was actually shocking to go back in the light of Kavanaugh and reread this. In fact, I just, my daughter recently read his autobiography and she said I felt like I was just reading just, she, she knew Justice Kavanaugh's story first and she said, I felt like I was reading this whole thing again. I mean, everything down from the, you know, the first attempts to attack him were really about having document fights and trying to ask for oppressive numbers of documents with misconstruing his judicial record, the, the same things to Justice Kavanaugh. And then when all of those relatively tame methods didn't succeed. That's when we saw these uh, the allegations come out. And just like with uh, Christine Blasey Ford, it was allegations that initially went to a member of the committee and then were leaked by a Democrat, someone on the committee. We still haven't ever, even there was, it was there was a Senate investigation at that point, never found out who. Um, it was initially said that they would keep it quiet. Um, and then, of course, it blew up into a circus of a hearing. And it was similarly to these ones. It was something that was not... Um, corroborated in any way, and that in fact many of the women who knew him and who knew both of them at the time testified and said this this doesn't add up, this does not make sense with the, with the man we know, with the experience that we had with her. Um, and after he was confirmed, two to one, 
black, white, men and women said, we believe Thomas over Hill. And my concern is that since then, I think there has been a drumbeat of uh, rewriting history of the media kind of telling you that's not what really happened and uh, trying to make Anita Hill into the hero of that story. I don't think that's a fair uh, representation. And so I'm concerned that that doesn't happen uh, like that to Justice Kavanaugh. I think the other really fascinating thing that we uncovered was learning that as they both were going through this real crucible in their in their lives, some of the same Bible passages that they were praying about um, came back. So Justice Kavanaugh's uh, wife was praying the prayer of, of Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, let this cup pass for me. And we learned that Justice Thomas was praying the same thing during his confirmation hearings or the same passage that Kavanaugh had read at church the day before yeah from from Corinthians uh, the day before he was nominated the day he found out he was going to be nominated about power being made perfect in weakness Justice Thomas was also meditating on and praying on during his final hearing with Anita Hill so I think the parallels really run run wide and deep I guess the well what the, I guess the subtitle will be, well, one part is the future of the Supreme Court. So with everything that just happened with, you know, in these in these uh, confirmations last year, um, is do you think this is the new normal for, you know, confirmations going on? Unfortunately, I think it is the new normal. And one of the things Carrie and I show in the book is that it's particularly true that you're going to see tough confirmation battles when a justice, when a judge is nominated to fill a seat that is being vacated by someone on the left or a swing vote. If it's a conservative for conservative replacement, it's less likely to see this, you're less likely to see these type of antics. This has all sorts of repercussions, including people might not be willing to serve as Supreme Court nominees knowing that what they're going to have to go through, or even worse, maybe they're willing to do it, but they know they can't put their family through it. So it's important that people be held accountable for these types of smears and unsubstantiated allegations so that it doesn't become the new normal. And it's also important for the Supreme Court itself to not be political in its rulings. Part of the reason why people care so much about Supreme Court nominations is because the court has allowed itself to become a legislature of nine people that decides to force issues that are extra-constitutional. And if the court wants to keep its legitimacy and not be such a political location, they need to understand that their role is fairly limited, that it is simply to decide whether legislation is constitutional or not. So, um... But before I ask for social media where uh, where they could, everyone can find you, I have one particular question for you, Molly, because I am a listener to the Fairless Podcast, <laughs> and um it, and one of the most recent episodes, um, I guess you were talking about is I guess appreciating art from someone that maybe don't agree with your politics. Um, it's kind of saying like if you can't appreciate someone's art. If they disagree with your politics, it's kind of like a sad, shallow life or something like that. (laughs) If you didn't, if you made it where you had to agree with someone's politics in order to enjoy their art, unfortunately, the artistic community is such as it is right now that you would almost not be able to listen to any music or see any movie or watch any TV show, which is not to say that you shouldn't care about the message that's in these things. You should care and make sure that you're um, not filling your mind with ugly or awful things but um, unfortunately it's just the way that the situation is now that agreement with artists would severely constrain what you can listen to or enjoy well well, on the podcast we talk about you know film and culture a lot so that's when i heard that it's something i wanted to ask you i didn't think i'll get a chance to ask you about it but um uh, in in that sense i I know i agree with you too but i I guess one thing i will i think about is that um, it's kind of hard to fully enjoy their art, especially if it's involved in their art. Well, particularly with how obnoxious people are getting now. So, I mean, even just Peter Fonda died recently. Great actor. He says horribly vicious things on his Twitter feed. Just disgusting, awful things about people whose politics he didn't share. It, it does affect your ability to enjoy enjoy people. And I myself have found it where I just find myself turning off shows or just no longer supporting artists because they they've made it quite clear that they are intolerant of other people yeah i'm someone that watch movies and everything and and try to enjoy i know personally because um it it gets kind of difficult like i said especially if it's really if their politics is involved is in their work so that's it's just something i definitely want to want to talk about real quick but if people want to you know contact you either both of you on social media where would it go 
Yeah, judicialnetwork.com is JCN's website, and I, I am on Twitter at JCN Severino. And for me, Molly Hemingway, you can read my work at thefederalist.com, and I am on Twitter at MZ Hemingway. All right, so the book is Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh hearing, oh, the Kavanaugh confirmation, and the future of the Supreme Court. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. All right, thanks to Molly and Carrie for joining us. And again, the book is Justice on Trial. So check it out where books are sold. And um yeah, again, thank thanks to them for for coming on. So and before we get into any any more, just wanted to mention about as I mentioned earlier, right now and talking about, you know, all this impeachment talk and everything uh, with a Trump mug dot com. If you want to check them out again, like I said, all sorts of Trump centric <laughs> um, flags and mugs, of course. I mean, it had to be mugs, if anything, because the name of the of the website is Trump mug. So it has to have mugs. But yeah, go check them out. Trump dot com. And, you know, all these codes are getting a lot simpler now. So, again, the code is just trend chat and you get 10 percent off on whatever you want. You know, on the site, you know, to get 10 percent off. So check them out at trumpmug.com. So before we get um, to the end of our show here, um, I do want to mention two other things. One, uh. Well, I mentioned that one. That's a little more serious. I'll, I'll wait to the end of that. But this whole thing, I don't know if you heard. So Rashida Tlaib, you know, representative up in, um, I forgot what state already, but representative, it doesn't matter. At least for this, it doesn't. Oh, yeah, it had to be Michigan. So because it was in Detroit. So I guess it's in Michigan. So, um, so, uh, yeah, representative Tlaib was there and I guess she was touring, touring the station, um, in, in, in Detroit. And was coming across some uh, facial recognition software or whatever. And the police chief was explaining it to her, how it works and ever. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> um, she made, makes the comment saying that, you know, th- this is not verbatim, but there should be uh, non-African-Americans in charge of the facial recognition because, um, no, not no. It should be African Americans in charge of <laughs> of the facial recognition software because non African American people think all African Americans look the same. And and to that, I I, I would just say, <laughs> not that I couldn't find a laugh track. Where is it? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I should have thought about that, but <laughs> before I started, because I was, yeah, I mean, that is just ridiculous to make it seem like black people can't do the same. And I've heard black people make that, <laughs> make that claim kind of said the same thing about white people, mainly because, you know, this kind of goes into who you're familiar with, who, are, who are you around? a lot the more you are around certain people the more you can tell you can distinguish their the you know like little like the the little details about people just like your family really i mean you know more about how you can tell you know the people in your family the people that you live with in your house a, a, a lot more than someone else you know even Across even your next door neighbor in comparison, so it 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 just all comes down to the people that you're around. So if black people are all just around black people, then yeah, they can easily kind of distinguish from which black person to another black person. 
as opposed to if they're come across a few white people here and there, they tend to look, you know, tend to look all the same in particular, you know, uh, shapes and whatever. So you kind of like, you're not really familiar with all the little, you know, you know, little details. So anyway, in that, she also made a reference, right? She made a reference to two people of all people that she's going to mention in trying to make this point. She mentions Elijah Cummins and John Lewis and saying that, you know, I see it all the time where people say, uh, call Elijah Cummins, John Lewis and John Lewis, Elijah Cummins. And they're, uh, you know, completely different people. Have you seen both of them? Like, I know this is a podcast and you're, you're going to hear it, but um, Google both <laughs> of them. Google Elijah Cummins and Google John Lewis. Yeah, they they look alike. <laughs> it would be like if she wanted to make a better claim, even though it would be still ridiculous, but she could say someone like myself, if they if someone said I was, you know, John Lewis and said John Lewis was me, okay, that, that's a problem because we definitely don't look anything alike. You know, but yeah, so that I, I just wanted to mention that because that was just so, so ridiculous. If um you don't know, check, check that out because it, um, it's just it's laugh out funny, really, to be honest. But um, I thank everyone for listening. And I, I do want to end on this note a little bit because um, uh, we uh, have been hearing about, you know, this trial that was going on in, in Dallas of um, Amber Geiger, who was the. A police officer who shot um both them John, um, in um in his apartment, and um and so that trial is you know has come to an end. She was sentenced to ten years, and so and you know some people had a problem with that because they felt like it was too lenient. But on top of that, um his brother um went up to the to the stand and. If you haven't heard it, you, you should listen to it for yourself. You look it up um, and um, and he basically just showed the forgiveness we should all have as Christians. And he he wanted he, he had he well, he said he had no hate for her and he hoped that she would turn her life to Christ and and gave her a hug. So. Now, this has really shown something because the reaction that came after this from, I would just say, just a, a lot of black people in particular, you know, the like the hashtag Twitter, hashtag black Twitter um, really showed um, a lot. And it was disheartening and it was sad because it really revealed that a lot of these black Christians in particular have you know they really show that they're they're more obsessed with the color of their skin than they are with the gospel of of Jesus Christ and and, and it was sad to to see that really but that that is what this is really revealed i mean i know that's not going to get reported but but it's true i mean you see how vicious and and how hateful they were in to some you know to someone that is showing forgiveness and look, I understand the circumstances that were going on. It's very difficult, but being a Christian is not being, is not taking the easy route. It's nothing easy about being a Christian and it comes, you know, to making hard decisions and it comes down to really understanding what is most valuable. What is the, what is the chief end is to bring glory to God and it's to to want everyone to repent of their sin and believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that is what we should want regardless of whatever happens so I will say for myself you know if I was the victim if I was the, the person who was murdered and I would want my loved ones. I would want whoever is listening right now to understand that regardless of what happens, if something happens to me, I want what to the person that did, did it to me. I want that person one, you know, 
have them to be punished to whatever the fullest extent of the law, whatever it happens. But regardless of what happens, whether the person gets off or the person's get um, get convicted and goes to jail for life or, or whatever, regardless of what happens, I will still want that person that did that to me. I'm telling you that right now. You're hearing this on this podcast. I want that person to be in heaven. I will want to meet that person in heaven. I want them to repent of that sin. There are sins of not only what they did to me, but the sin of all the other sins in their life. I want them to, to repent of all that. And I want, I will want them to be living in glory with me in heaven. That's what I want, regardless of what has happened to me or what they did to me, because that is what we as Christians should be wanting for everyone. So, I appreciate everyone listening and I just want to end it on that. And, um, yeah. Trend chat, 247.com. That's what this is right here. That's where you're listening. And all, you know, most pop uh, popular podcast outlets. I keep wanting to say all, but it's not all It's most of them though. So yeah, thank you for listening and don't have, yeah, we don't have no clue about next week. So you just have to wait until, just check out on social media about what's coming up next. So until then, we'll chat with you later. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com slash thisishome today. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700.